Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's Monday. And it's 4 o'clock Eastern. So what time is it? You know what time it is. It's time for the National Football Show with your boy Dan Cilio. Everybody, I always tell you, make this time... As we come out of this pandemic, a fabulous week, okay? Getting ready to get with family and friends. We got the beach. We got summer. We got football. We have sports going on. Isn't it great seeing fans in the stands? I'm watching some NBA over the weekend, if you could believe it. And I'm seeing all these fans rooting. I'm watching a great story with the Phoenix Suns and CP3. You know, I'm watching some Major League Baseball, believe it or not. There's some really great storylines, especially Shohei Otani with the Angels. That guy's just dope. And I'm getting all my NFL news. And if you want the latest in all your NFL news, where do you come? Right here to the National Football Show. Great weekend, I hope, for all, as we said. And the storylines, once again, are just power-packed here on the National Football Show. Big show again lined up. We are going to have one of the legendary voices of college football, hell, college basketball, hell, college sports, the legendary Tim Brando. By the way, I love the fact, too, that he decided to follow me after all these years. You know, Tim Brando has been doing college sports since I played. That's how far back we go. We did it. He did it like the first game, I think, was in 1986. When Miami went to South Carolina, it was like one of the very first ESPN broadcasts for like one of the major, major time slots. And Tim Brando did the game. And I was on the field. And Tim's been calling college basketball and college football for all these years, whether it be with CBS or ESPN or with Fox. So one of the legendary voices. By the way, I guess uh, Paul Feinbaum has given him a bunch of crap, too. And uh, I guess they're kind of like banning him. So we'll get into all that stuff, too. So that'll be at the top of the 5 o'clock hour in the Eastern time zone. Also, the legendary voice of the Philadelphia Eagles, Merrill Reese will join us. Been friends with Merrill a long time. By the way, is this a rebuild in Philly or a reboot or both? We'll talk to the legendary voice. That'll be in hour number two. All right. Let's get into the sandbox here known as football here. You know, just when you think you haven't seen enough, isn't it every single week now we are seeing like shade being thrown around in this Aaron Rodgers story. So you have Mark Murphy coming out over the weekend. And he was talking about the previous president of the Packers, Ted Thompson. And they were, you know, talking about guys who were like, how about this? Difficult. And people who are, you know, have a little bit of a character issue when it comes to how they perceive with their fans and by the media. So he comes out and he starts throwing shade at Aaron Rodgers. And I I would say this to Mark Murphy, okay? Why do you need to do this and continue the conversation when you know that there's going to be a press release 
probably in three weeks, that is going to say this. Here, I could write the press release that the Packers are going to put out there as we get ready for the July training camp. You ready? Okay, I'm going to write it, and guess what? I'm going to free will it here, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm just – I'd like to address all media and Packer fans. This is Mark Murphy, the president of the Green Bay Packers. I know things have gotten a little bit out of hand when it comes to some of the public comments that the Green Bay Packers have made towards Aaron Rodgers. We want every Packer fan to know that Aaron Rodgers is the face of our franchise, that we go nowhere in the 2021 campaign or after that without the future Hall of Famer as our signal caller. We regret that some of the things that have been put out public have been made public. But we just want Packer fans, and most importantly, Aaron Rodgers to know, he will be a Green Bay Packer for the remaining NFL career that he so wants. We want him, and we want him as the face of our franchise. Signed the president of the Green Bay Packers, Mark Murphy. Why are we doing all of this now and kicking the can continually down the road here when you're just like dusting up and throwing dirt in the guy's face when you don't need to? This was like, this was like unneeded. Okay. A complex fellow is basically what he's calling Aaron Rodgers. There's no need for this. You know, there's even a comment now that's being made in Green Bay that Aaron Rodgers will just retire and say, hey, that's it for me. I'm done. I've built up enough money. I potentially could become the uh, host of Jeopardy. I've got commercials. I'll be more famous in retirement than I will if I continue to play because everyone will go, wow, this guy goes out as the reigning most valuable player. Okay? He's a complicated fellow is basically what Mark Murphy said. Well, complicated fellow means that he could retire just to spite you like the same way. Do you not think Barry Sanders was complicated? How many people do you know that would have a $2 million incentive if you win a rushing title and decides, get this, to pull himself out of a game when he has five yards to go on beating Emmett Smith for the rushing title in the NFL? He pulls himself out. How many people do you know that will retire after 10 years and he's 1,500 yards away from breaking Walter Payton's record and he puts his hand up and he says, I'm out. Emmett Smith would not be the all-time career-leading rusher in the NFL if it wasn't for Barry Sanders retiring, okay? That's a fact. There was more left in the tank with Barry, okay? <laughs> That's a complicated guy. Calvin Johnson, it's a complicated guy when they decide there's a – especially when you have a lot left and you just go like this, I'm out, I'm done. I don't want to do it anymore. Okay, I've got other things to do. You see, one thing about Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, it's not complicated. He's an introvert. And you could call that complicated or you could call that he's, that's what usually what artists are. That's what people who have IIQs are all about like that. Okay. Lowbrow people are non-thinkers. Okay. A guy like this, it's more than just the game. It's how you're being treated. By the way, some of you out there would probably go like this. Aaron Rodgers is soft, dude. Go to work and shut your hole. I, Hey, that's a great mentality if you live in the Northeast. 
dude, shut up, man. I get up and I'm a mason worker and I go to work and I put those bricks on my back every freaking day. And I'm up at five o'clock in the morning. I'm supporting my family. I'm putting a roof over their head. I don't want to hear this guy's bitching. I get it. Okay. I get it. 90% of the Americans in this country are like you, including me. I'm that's my grand. I was raised like that. Then you hear guys belly aching who are making $30 million a year. I don't like the way I'm being treated. Hey, man. Certain people have to be treated different. We were just talking, Krause and I, before we went on the air. You ready? Hey, man, you got to kiss that kid's ass. He's your top earner. He's your top producer. You may not like it. It may make you sick to your stomach. But that's the dude that's going to move the mail for you. And if you're kicking his ass down the road and calling him complicated, what's the point of that? You're like in an arm wrestling contest with yourself. Aaron Rodgers is not arm wrestling you because he just don't care. Is that guy likely to go like this? I'm done here. You know what the rumors are going around Green Bay right now? Aaron Rodgers will never play in a Green Bay Packer uniform ever again. He'd rather retire. That's not what I want to hear if I'm Mark Murphy. That's not what I want to hear if I'm Packer guy. And, and, and you hear the, the latest now? Watch this. Jordan, Jordan Love, what a week. <laughs> it's funny. This guy was like Sasquatch or like the Loch, not Loch Ness Monster. I've never really seen it. I kind of heard about it. There's like these fuzzy pictures. And like, you know, you know that one where like Bigfoot's walking across like the forest and you're like, dude, is that a guy? in a suit or is that really Bigfoot? I'm not sure. How many times did you do this when you were watching Jordan Love play? Is that Jordan Love or is that some other backup dude? Who is that? And now all of a sudden this week, this guy's doing, he's doing like interviews. Hey, he's like, I'm ready to go. And everybody there is saying, hey, this guy's pretty good, man. Great. Great. So let me get this right. Helmets and shorts. You're now going like this. This guy's ready for week one without even an exhibition game. You know, he didn't play one last year because of COVID. This guy's ready, man. I saw him. I mean, dude, you should have seen him. This guy was just wearing a jock strap and shorts and a helmet. I have never seen a guy, well, maybe, you know, next to Aaron, you know, he's the one to piss my guy off, but this guy's ready, man. Yeah, if you're playing flag football, with your drunk buddies on a Friday afternoon or Saturday morning, and you're pretending that you want to go out and, you know, you want to be Zach Ertz. Hey, man, look at me running, you know, in the sandlot. <laughs> yeah, you want to be that guy playing tag football? Okay. Yeah, but when the bullets are real and you're out there and guys are getting ready to knock the living snot bubbles out of you, man, we'll find out if this guy's got the, you know, stuff. Is that the right stuff? We'll see. We'll test your courage real quick, man. You're in the NFC East. I know people go, well, the NFC East this year. I don't care what you say. Okay, it's the NFC East. <laughs> it's not the Tiffany division, uh, not for a reason. The networks love that. You know, even though they had horrible teams last year, what division do you think gets the NFL the most ratings? Washington, Philly, New York, and Dallas. Hello. That division can suck out loud, and it won't matter. Washington, Philly, Dallas, New York. 
Doesn't matter what the records are. Actually, when the teams suck, it's even better. Okay? Because everybody's going, what's wrong with the team? What, what, what do we need to do? So don't tell me, man. We'll find out. This guy's ready to go week one. <laughs> okay. He's ready to go week one. Man. And then you got Mark Murphy. I think Green Bay. These guys are like your grandfather that screams at you when you're on the front lawn. You know your granddad who screams at you like when you're playing wiffle ball with your boys? And he's like, hey, you're wearing the grass out. I just watered and seeded the god dang thing. Get the hell off my lawn. Or the guy who throws the Frisbee, if you throw Frisbees. Doesn't look like I throw Frisbees because I don't. Okay? I mean, get off that. Get that Frisbee out of here. What the hell's wrong with you, man? Get off my lawn before I get my damn gun, son of a. <laughs> you know those guys. That's what Green Bay reminds me of, man. Hey, Aaron, sack up, guy. What the hell's rolling on with this guy over here, man? What are you kidding me? I don't know why I got a face like a, like John Gruden or something over here, but dude, here, Mark, over here. It's not how you talk. It's not how you treat people. I'm going to get to that here in a minute with Le'Veon Bell. But dude, that's not how you treat people, man. Come on. Let's go. Let's end that. Keep your face shut. Best thing for the Green Bay Packers right now is to shut your hole. Just shut up. Just be quiet. Before you do more damage. And that guy really does retire. And then you're 4-12. and 12. And then you'll be searching like you were since Bart Starr until you ended up finding Favre. Which was what? 20 years for a quarterback? Relax. Man. I'm like, yes, where the hell did this guy, why would he say this? What's the point? How about this? What's the point in calling him complicated? Some of you out there are probably going, Dan, is that that really a big deal? With a complicated person, you never know. Have you ever been in a room with someone that the littlest things piss them off? And you're in a room with some people that nothing pisses them off. Well, you choose which one you think Aaron Rodgers is. Some guys, like Joe Montana, there's nothing that pisses that guy off or upsets him or makes him nervous. Okay? Nothing. I've been around Joe. It's craziest personality. That guy does not talk football. When you're around Joe Montana, Joe doesn't talk football. Joe would rather talk about, like, you know, the environment. He'd rather talk about cartoons. I'm not kidding you. Joe's the furthest from football. And then there's certain people, man. That's all they talk about. Like Brett Favre's still talking football. Brett Favre, Favre, dude, it's over. Okay, back to your tractor, to whatever. All right, let's go over here. So I saw this little bitching going back and forth, and of course you have the lamestream media who go out and try to dissect every single freaking thing that's out there that a player or coach or owner says. You see that all the time. Like a story, there's a story out there about Mark Cuban not liking Luca. And I talked to Mark Cuban, and I'm not lying to you. I talked to Mark Cuban probably every three days. Okay? <laughs> Man, I mean, he texts me, he goes, fake news. Just all he did in parentheses, fake news. I'm like, I get it. Fake news, man. People put these narratives around a sentence or a word, and it's become fashionable now in our industry 
that if there is a story, man, you break that baby off in any way you possibly can. The Russians did it. Okay. I heard that thing for four years. I'm like, really? <laughs> the Russians did it. Oh, I started even in my house. Who ate the cookies? The Russians. Okay. I, who ate the coconut cream pie? The Russians did it. Oh, I've been using the Russians now. Hey, Cilio, why'd you get fired again? The Russians did it. <laughs> okay. Absolutely, man. That's my go-to now. The Russians did it. Or, or the other one is I've been hacked. <laughs> hey, if it works for everyone else, like Jimmy Kimmel and some of these other dudes, I'm going to use it. Hey, did you post that? No, I, I was hacked. Somebody hacked me. Yeah, it wasn't big sales. No, no. When it, when, hey, when it crossed these boys, <laughs> it was Cal. <laughs> he, he posted it. Yeah, but he doesn't have your password. I don't care. The hell, it's the media lie. <laughs> Who cares, right? So I saw this story, and Le'Veon Bell starts barking about, hey, I'd never play for Andy. And I'm paraphrasing this. Hey, I'll never play for Andy Reid. The guy, you know, didn't treat me right there. And, you know, some of the things he said to me, man, I'll never play for that guy ever. So he's getting blasted by Chiefs Kingdom and the Kansas City Chiefs people. Do you think that every single player that's on a roster has a great relationship with their head coach? Do you, do you really believe that? You really think that every guy has a wonderful, hey, man, I really love my coach. Man, he and I, man, we have text messages back and forth. He's such a, he's like my father. You think you have that relationship with everybody? Especially when you don't have equity or have earned enough trust with that guy. And there's a notion out there that you're not very trustworthy. How do you know Andy Reid didn't have conversations with Mike Tomlin? about trust factors with Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell was on the Chiefs team, and they barely used him at the end. Okay, In some games, like the Super Bowl, never used him. And I guess he was promised something where he would play, and he'd be a part of it. And I guess he decided to go and put out a soliloquy on his Twitter page, which is always great, especially the guy who writes Twitters upside down, which is – this guy's a dope, too. And why would I believe anything with Le'Veon Bell? Okay. Why would I believe? By the way, I posted this for him. I don't have a problem with what he posted. But here's, here, here's the truth on this. Why, why would I believe anything or why would I trust Le'Veon Bell when he imploded his own career? This is the same guy who put $14 million in a trash can and lit it on fire and sat out the entire year and then signed a contract in New York with the Jets for less money. Well, hey, nicely negotiated. So you lost $14 million and you played for less dough in New York and you turned out to be a bum and now your career is in a downward spiral instead of being on the way potentially to Canton, Ohio when you were in Pittsburgh and Mike Tomlin had you there Primed and ready to go where you were one of the best running backs in the NFL. What the hell happened to you? You know what happened? You decided to take your career into your own hands. And what usually happens when a player with low character does that? <whistles> Boom. There's the smoke. Woo. Look at that, baby. There's the smoke. Le'Veon Bell and... 
Antonio Brown, think of those two guys that were in Pittsburgh and the job Mike Tomlin did. Just getting those guys, just getting those guys to Sunday and getting them to play football for the Steelers must have been a monumental task. Okay? Do you know who I compare? I compare these two to Bones Jones of the UFC. Hey, man, Bones Jones, how about this? He's one of the greatest UFC fighters of all time. Do we not agree? Okay? But getting him to the octagon, how tough was that always for Dana just to get him to the octagon? You know, you could be the most talented person, but if you can't show up, dog, how can I use you? How, how, how can people evaluate whether or not you're one of the greatest players of all time? Antonio Brown and Le'Veon. And the only thing I give Antonio Brown over Le'Veon Bell, he's got a life preserver in Tom Brady. And you're lucky it's the GOAT. Because if it's anybody else in the league, and I do mean anybody else, including Russell Wilson, you're not getting another chance. The only way and reason that Antonio Brown is back in the NFL is because of Tom Brady. Bruce Arians said it right out of the gate. Remember at the beginning of last year, no interest in the player. Zero interest in the player. All of a sudden, Tom wanted him. I'll take care of him. I got it. Okay, Tom. Okay. Le'Veon Bell now, he's an unrestricted free agent with no job. Who's hiring that guy? And by the way, when you start throwing shade on Andy Reid, Andy Reid is one of the most respected. You know where he'd be a great fit? Philly. Le'Veon Bell would be immense in Philly. Dude, that, that football team hasn't had a running game in, what, three years? That guy would be great. But do you think Howie Roseman's going to trust a guy like that? No flipping way, man. You don't trust people like that. You don't think that that guy would even be, like, can you imagine him and Najee in Pittsburgh together? Dual-headed horsemen going and running the football behind that offensive line in Pittsburgh? Dude, that's a, that'd be a frightening attack. That'd be a frightening attack. You put him out there in the slot, Le'Veon Bell, and you have Najee in the backfield? Dog, man, you better wear two mouthpieces that game. Because someone's going to get hurt and someone's going to get hit. But when you look at a dude like that and you're, you're a general manager, you're going like this. Man, I don't know. I don't know. You had every right to say what you wanted to say. You had every right. Every right. But it's going to cost you an opportunity at another gig. And that's where it lies. We'll see. That guy's back on a football field again. All right. Should Odell Beckham Jr. be dealt by the Browns, or do you think they should make him part of the offense in 2021? Let's hit on that next here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. 
Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy Dan Celio. we continue with Odell Beckham Jr. I've been I don't know if you've been watching this story with the Suns and with CP3, Chris Paul. You know what's crazy about that dude? He may be the most underappreciated and most over How about this? Overanalyzed guard in NBA history. And I'll tell you how I'm going to tie this in to a football guy. I'm going to make the comparison to a football guy. Think about what he's done everywhere that dude has been. Oklahoma City. um, Houston. Phoenix was a train wreck. I don't think Phoenix had made the playoffs for like over a decade. And now they just um, are involved in a sweep. And now they're moving on to the Western Conference Finals. This guy has been the most underrated player at his position, maybe in NBA history. And what I love so about this guy, and and I know, watch this. You're always going to say this. Well, he doesn't have a championship, Dan. 
that 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 plays a factor in how you evaluate guys. It does. And don't think it doesn't. Watch this. Okay, you're smart enough to know this. Trent Dilfer's got a Super Bowl ring and Dan Marino doesn't. Aren't you smart enough to know who the better quarterback was? Yeah, but you know, he doesn't have a ring at Trent. Come on, dog. Use your common sense here with that. Okay, common sense, correct? Well, hey, man. And we're going to have my friend Brad Johnson on, the Buccaneer quarterback who won the Super Bowl. His son plays at LSU this week. He's now doing some work for the Buccaneers down in Tampa and for Florida State. We're going to have him on. No disrespect to him because he's one of my friends. But when you look at a guy like that and go like this, Donovan McNabb or Brad Johnson, come, dude. Do I really need to lay that out for you or have a debate? There's no debate on that. Come on, man. You know what we're talking here. When you start comparing the Marinos and the Elways and the Bradys and the Montanas and the Unitases and those guys, you need other variables to be able to put next to one another to determine one's resume. I know you can't do decades, and I know generationally people out of sight, out of mind, you start to forget some of the legendary guys of the past. Okay? Like when people start talking to me about, you know, when Oscar Robertson played, dude, I've seen like five newsreels of him. Yeah, they had newsreels back then. And I, I really, you know, no disrespect to the guy. But you know what? I'm going to take people's word. His numbers look like they were insane. So I'm not going to disrespect the guy or dismiss the guy. I never believe in dismissing history, especially when those guys are the shoulders that the current players stand on. And CP3 is one of these crazy guys where you just watch every, every place. When he was in Los Angeles with the Clippers, every place he plays, he wins. It just doesn't matter. It, Brady's a lot like CP3, man. Didn't matter if it was Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay hadn't been to the playoffs in 12 years. They win the Super Bowl. Not only just go to the playoffs. There's certain dudes that have that intangible to make every single person around them better. Do they have egos? Yes, but you know what it's not? They're not egos where you can't it's, – it's a weird ego, isn't it, that Chris Paul and Tom Brady have. It, 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 it's not an ego where, like, it's LeBron James-esque, you know? Well, I really want to congratulate myself on, you know, breaking another NBA record. And I'm now going to six because my quest is to try to equal, you know, Michael Jordan's six championships. That's why he's going to six. What a dope. Anybody who doesn't see that, okay? In, in, in the new Space Jam, was he calling himself the GOAT? That's the stuff I'm talking about there. GOAT. No, he's more like a horse's ass, okay? He ain't a GOAT. He may smell like one, but he ain't a goat, dog. There's only one goat. Actually, I'd even throw Kareem in front of him. But there's just something about those dudes. You th- Watch this. You think if you put Tom Brady in Denver, they'd win? Yeah. Do you think if you even put Tom Brady in New York with the Jets, they would win? Yeah. I mean, let's face it. Was New England a superstar franchise? Didn't Belichick have a losing year, his first year, as a head coach with the Patriots? Bill had been fired, too, in Cleveland. Wasn't like this guy was bringing some stellar resume up to New England when he took over that New England Patriots job. There was question marks on whether or not he was even the right guy hired. Bill who? 
That's what a lot of people were saying. What's his name? Art Modell told Bob Kraft, it'd be the worst hire in your entire tenure as owning the Patriots. Art Modell told him that. He said, this guy cannot do a press conference, man. And it, it, it used to just aggravate Modell every time he got in front because Bill wouldn't say anything. He wouldn't promote the game. He wouldn't promote the team. He wouldn't like help when it came to selling tickets. He didn't know how to really be a coach. Modell said it'd be the worst hire. Okay, yeah, okay. There's just certain dudes, man. No matter where they go, no matter what they say, no matter what they are faced with. Brady had Brady had a pandemic. Say, think of this: what Chris Paul and what Tom Brady did. Okay, look at this. Brady had a pandemic. Chris Paul had a pandemic. Chris Paul was going to a losing franchise. Brady was going to a losing franchise. Paul is one of the top three guards in the history of the NBA's game, okay? Brady's the GOAT. The players just watch this guy when they walk into a room. I'm telling you guys, when when, when there's a superstar in the room and you're an NFL guy, or I'm assuming it's the same with the NBA guys, and you're in the room with those dudes, you immediately listen. Because there might be something in there that you could pick up that you can apply to your own way of how you're running your career. You see, when you're a young player, and a lot of these rookies this year are going to be going through this, when you see a guy like Tom Brady, and he's in your locker room, you 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 pick up. I'll give you. Let me give you a story here. I'll get on Odell Beckham here in a minute. So when I got to Dallas, there was a guy by the name of Ed Tutal Jones. And I had got to Dallas, and I'll tell you what, my, my time in Tampa Bay was a complete train wreck, and 90% of it was because of me. I didn't know how to be a pro. I didn't have a routine. I was all over the place. My circumstances and how I got to the Bucks and how I was drafted was really weird, wild, and I wish it on no one. And anyone who's ever tried to go through my kind of deal, get this, you'll find this be incredible. I had her helmet on Friday and I was getting ready to play against the Florida Gators that Sunday I was given a Buccaneer helmet and I played against the Bears can you name anybody in NFL history that it ever happened to Friday I was getting ready to play on Saturday against the Gators and Kerwin Bell Sunday I played against Walter Payton and the Bears I, I'm, I'm telling you guys when the Jets flew overhead at Tampa Stadium, I'm like, what in the world am I doing here? I had no idea. I had no training camp, no playbook. I, I barely taped up because I didn't – and I got in the game against the Bears and Walter Payton. I'm like this. <laughs> okay? That whole thing was a train wreck. It just went so fast. I couldn't slow it down. And there was nobody really in the room because the Bucks had been perennial losers at that time. Doug Williams had been scooted out of town. They had just signed Testaverde, number one overall pick. They drafted me 56th overall. I was a second rounder. And so I'm going like this. Okay, man, it was so fast. So, man, as fast as I got there, that door hit me on the back of my ass as fast as I went out the door. So I get to Dallas. Coach Landry brings me in in November of that year. I signed a contract. So there's one dude in the room. I'll never forget. And I got to be friends with Ed Tutal Jones. 
And I was around Ed. I didn't get a chance to really be around him during the regular season. But as we got into training camp the following year, Ed did everything on a routine. Came into the facility at one time, got his legs worked on, got his ankles taped, put his shoulder pads on. And every single day, it was meticulous. It went down. Ate at a particular time, slept at a particular time. And this guy had a routine for training camp. And I'm watching this, and I'm going like this. Wow, that's pretty cool. I need to follow. I shadowed him, man. I shadowed him the whole time because I saw how this guy did everything. There was no BS. There was no downtime. He had a routine on being a pro, okay? Ed was one of the greatest and most underrated players in the history of the Dallas Cowboys. He played on doomsday. I mean, that Randy White and Ed Tall Jones defense was called Doomsday. And that's the original Doomsday. Harvey Martin and all them guys, Larry Cole, that's Doomsday. And he was the other end on Harvey Martin's side. And Ed's 6'9". And, man, what a football player that dude was, man. Even that 38, he could play, man. Two-time Super Bowl champion, and by the way, Ed was the number one overall selection. He was a defensive end, I think, out of some place like Elizabeth State University. Ed was the number one overall pick out of some small college. This guy was a bitch, man. What a player and what a great dude. My point is, you watch these guys like CP3 and Brady, and that's why you put guys next to them, like, Tom Brady had Aaron Hernandez, or he had Antonio Brown, or he had players that maybe had a couple dents in the fender when it came to character. And Brady would take care of them and show them what you needed to do to be a pro. Do you know how important that is when a guy like that throws his arms around you and is willing to help you inside that locker room? I'm telling you things that people don't know what goes on in the locker room on what makes that dude so freaking amazing. That stuff right there is what wins on Sundays. You think just reading a playbook like Aaron Rodgers does? You know why Rodgers hasn't fulfilled his resume like Brady has? Brady's an overachiever. Brady overachieves because you know why? Instead of sitting on the beach in Hawaii playing the ukulele, this guy's sitting here doing this. He's getting to get a personal relationship with each and every single person in that locker room so that when he has to call on somebody or maybe to put someone on blast, they're going to know this is about winning ball games. It's got nothing to do with friendship, man. We're boys. Everyone knows we're boys. That's what makes that dude special. Okay? That's what makes that guy special. That guy is so remarkable at doing that. That's the difference. Right there is the difference. CP3 with the Phoenix Suns and Tom Brady get to be close with every guy on that roster. That's how they motivate. And in the end, that's how they win. You know, I saw something that Jalen Hurts was doing with the Eagle wide receivers. And they were throwing the football around you know, before the mini camps and stuff like that. I know some of you probably think that's stupid. It's not. And by the way, you really think it's about route running? Or do you think it's about doing this? How's the uh, wife and kid? How's the girlfriend? 
How's your mother's gout doing? Hey, man, what are you guys having for dinner tonight? Hey, what's your favorite music? Hey, what's your favorite movie? Hey, man, who's your favorite player? Hey, what's your favorite sports moment? Hey, man, how did you get where you are? That's what people, how many times have you heard interviews where people say, I miss the guys? I miss the game. They miss being around the guys. That's it. You miss being around a guy like Chris Paul and Tom Brady because they talk to you. Hey, dude, what's your favorite movie? Did the guy give a rat's ass about, well, okay, man. Gladiator. Oh, I love that movie too, man. In the arena and he gets his justice on the, on the, on Caesar. It's really great, isn't it? You see that airplane that flew over to direct the scene? Yeah, I saw that. You think that stuff is dumb? Joe Montana in the middle of a game, 90 yards, minute 20 left. Hey, there's John Candy on the sidelines. Everybody turns and looks. If it ain't John Candy and Brady's in the huddle down at Joe Robbie Stadium, that's what it was called then. Now it's hard rock. He goes, now let's go get this. Yeah, I got you. I got you, Joe. Minute 30 later, it's over. Number four is in his pocket. Because he had relationships with all those guys in that huddle. Harris Spartan, Jesse Sopalo, Roger Craig, Jerry Rice, John Taylor. I know those names because I game-planned against them. I played against them. And those guys were all together, man. We've had Randy Cross on this program. I hated those guys because their quarterback, man, had a special relationship with everybody on that roster. Those are the great ones. How many times have you seen guys with exceptional talent and you're like this, this guy just can't win. Why? Is he a good teammate? Does he take time? Now, a lot of that's got to do with the organization you're with too, putting good people around you, getting great coaching. I tell my daughter this all the time. My daughter's a D1 rugby player. I've told you this. Um, I, you know, my daughter, it's important that she gets great coaching. You get great coaching. You'll get the most out of your ability. You get great teaching. You'll get the most out of your ability. If you've got a great boss or you've got a great market manager or manager, whatever it is, they'll get the most out of you. If you've got a guy who half ass cares and only cares about his health and his own direction and his own career, you'll never get it. Be kind of good. And then you got to figure it out on your own. And that's never a good way to develop people. That's why when you see dudes, and I'm watching this guy, Chris Paul, take a team, the Phoenix Suns, man, he's got the Valley all crazy now because he brought his leadership there. You know what? That guy's going to be 37 years of age next year. And you know what? He's probably going to sign a max deal in this offseason. And get this, he's probably going to put in the trash can 45 million bucks so he could get that max deal. It's crazy. Brady. Going for number eight. There's a reason that those dudes are who those dudes are. You think it's just about it. Look, you think there's more talented people in the history of Tom Brady when it comes to the ability? Aaron Rodgers is 10 times the quarterback that Tom Brady physically will ever be. Brady's prime, he's not 
in Aaron Rodgers' league. Why doesn't he win? It's not that he's got a crappy organization. It's his own personality that gets in the way. And I'm talking Rodgers. Brady's personality is wide open. And it's wide open for the troubled guys. I'll give you another example of that kind of guy. How many people look at Troy Aikman and think Troy Aikman was overrated? Troy Aikman is one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play in the NFL. You know this, right? You had a deal with Michael Irvin, and you had a deal with Emmett Smith, and you had a deal with Jimmy Johnson, and you had a deal with Deion Sanders, and you had a deal with being a Dallas Cowboy. Troy Aikman could have bucked the system and wanted to throw for 500 yards every game. No way. Troy was about winning ball games. If that meant 128 yards and the Cowboys won by one point, so be it. Troy didn't care about the yards, cared about the W's. That's why he's got three Super Bowl wins. Okay? Troy didn't care about statistics. Looking sexy for, like, the fantasy dorks. This guy just wanted to put a great resume. He did, too. It's incredible. All right. I know I carried it. By the way, don't forget, top of the hour, Tim Brando, one of the legendary broadcasters in college sports will be with us, and we will talk to him about this new 12-team playoff system and get his thoughts as we go forward and getting ready for the upcoming college football season, too. One of the legendary broadcasters. That'll be at the top. Merrill Reese will also be in hour number two, and I will hit on Odell Beckham. What should the Browns do with this dude? We'll hit on it next. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back to the National Football Show. Dan Cilio. Top of the hour, Tim Brando, legendary broadcaster, will be with us. Merrill Reese, the golden tones of the Philadelphia Eagles, will be in hour number two. We'll get his thoughts. Rebuild, reboot in Philly. That'll be in hour two. Speaking of Philly, I got a great call from Bob Lang, the uh, public relations director for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's like, big sales. We've been watching the show. And Nick Sirianni is going to be on. Got to take care of the local honks a little bit here, but we'll get them on there as we get closer to training camp. I'm sitting around and I'm like, that's really cool. Thank you so much, Bob. And now that we know that the Philadelphia Eagles watch the show, we ask you, do me a favor, like it and share it. We really appreciate it. That was really cool. The Eagles reaching out to us today. So thank you very much, guys. And uh, we look forward to having Nick on the program. Big fan of his. And, um, he wants to do the show, too. He said it'd be an honor to come on the program, and we'd be honored to have him. So next couple of weeks, we're going to get the head football coach of the Eagles on here. All right. Let me throw this at you here with Odell Beckham Jr. How many people think he's an elite wideout? Now, remember something. The definition of elite is, I'll tell you, Here's something that I would tell you what I look at with a, a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. That dude is the best third down receiver I've ever seen. I've never seen a guy catch more third down passes in my life than that dude. I think the guy up in Buffalo is a pretty good one too, Stefan Diggs. Okay. I think that guy, DK Metcalf, has a chance on being a, a special player. Now, look, all these guys got really good quarterbacks too. There's no question that that goes hand in hand. If you got a sorry ass quarterback, I don't care how gifted you are. You're not going to have the numbers. How many times have we seen guys get big-time contracts? They go somewhere else, and if you don't have a big-time quarterback spinning that baby, guess what? Your numbers are going to be nowhere, and you're never going to live up to your contract. And that's kind of what Odell Beckham has done. What they did in Cleveland when they got him from the Giants, they have been for the last, what, three years trying to jam a square peg into a round hole. When you have to come up with gimmick plays to get your top guy the ball, you really don't know what to do with him. And quite frankly, that's the beautiful thing about Brady. That's why Brady doesn't like to throw the ball deep because he doesn't want to be obligated to have to get some guy touches. You ever notice that's why they've never had a number one, number one guy in New England during the Brady time outside of Moss. And for the record, they lost that Super Bowl. When you have to be obligated 
to have 14 targets to a guy you're paying 95 million bucks to, man, that never works. It never results in winning championships. I don't want to be obligated on having to get Odell Beckham 14 looks and the targets have to go his way. Jarvis Landry goes, oh my God, man, he looks great. I, I, I bet he does. I bet he's looked around the league and he has seen that there's opportunity for him to get his career back on track. And I got to tell you something. One thing that I've really enjoyed watching Odell Beckham, you notice one thing he's done over the last, what, 10 months or whenever since he got injured, he has stayed out of the headlines. He's not done anything stupid. He's not said anything stupid. He's worked on his rehab. And basically what he did was he went to the rehab facility and he burned the boats and he stayed on the island and nobody really has been in contact with the guy. I admire that. And if I'm a person out there, a personnel guy, and I'm sitting around because let's face it, Cleveland right now, even without Odell Beckham Jr. on that offensive huddle, do we not agree as one of the top offenses and one of the top rosters in the AFC? You really don't need that dude. As a matter of fact, when the guy got hurt after week eight, didn't the Browns take off? I thought they did. They realized Kevin Stefanski, the coach of the Browns, realized he's got two horses behind him. Okay, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. I'm going to turn the ball around here and give it to them, man. I don't need to have Baker Mayfield go out and throw for 385 yards. Not when I can run for 300 yards against uh, the Dallas Cowboys. I don't need to do that. So if you're the Browns and you're sitting there and you're going, all right. Because you're never, get this, if you move the dude, you're never getting a one form. Okay? Someone go, listen, if you got a two for Julio Jones, what do you think the market value would be for a guy who's been injured pretty much all year and on top of that, whose numbers have gone down from 96 yards a game in New York to 61 yards a game in Cleveland? What are you getting? Fifth rounder? Tops. You're going to get a low draft choice and a high salary. Now, you turn around and you look at the player and you go like this. Is it in our best interest to put Odell Beckham Jr. back on the field, build up his market value, and maybe as we get closer to the trading deadline, he's got decent numbers. And maybe, maybe, somehow, maybe we can get a third or fourth rounder for him. Maybe. Because the salary alone, this guy's a $17 million guy, man. Now you sit there and you go, and get this, the silver lining in this is, what if he is having a great year? Okay. Well, then the player's back to being at the value we had when we traded for him. And it was just really horrible coaching with the uh, Freddie Kitchens of the world and not knowing the direction with the Hugh Jacksons of the world that it was just poor coaching around them and that they finally got the pieces in the right place. And all of a sudden now Odell Beckham Jr. is being aimed in the right direction. Hey, look, when it comes to players' personalities, I don't really care about that stuff as long as it doesn't interfere with production. Look, I know I've always been asked this question about Michael Irvin. What was it like playing with Michael and having him as a teammate? 
I tell people this all the time. Michael Irvin's one of the greatest teammates I've ever had and one of the greatest people I know, and I love him. And I've had other people go like this. That guy's a train wreck. He doesn't respect his body. He doesn't respect people. I go, well, uh, have you ever lived with him? I have. Okay, I've been around the guy. So when people start talking trash and start saying some of the things about Odell Beckham Jr., I'm always respectful of the fact that people have different opinions of people, and that's just outside stuff. Follow me? I mean, if you're watching a player, like how many people talked about Carson Wentz and his inability to be, I guess, a good teammate? You're not in a huddle. You're not in a locker room. You're only hearing what the dumbass media people. And by the way, for the record, if you ever followed Tom Brady around and you had guys that were up there calling and talking about the Patriots, man, Shaughnessy and all them guys up there at the Herald and at the Globe were constantly trying to replace Tom Brady, constantly trashing the Patriots in the media. You know, that those newspapers, you know why they didn't like the Patriots? Because Bob Kraft is a Trump guy. And so they never really, and so was Brady a Trump guy. Remember when they saw the Trump hat in his locker? Okay, and all that? That's why the Globe and the Herald constantly berated that team. Even when they were winning Super Bowls, it didn't matter. They got more heat up there. Okay, they got more heat up there for like just being Trump fans than they did for sometimes not playing well on Sundays. So when I hear reports by reporters nowadays, I take it with a grain of salt. You're not in that room, man. You don't know what's being asked to these guys. You don't know the personal relationships at all. You have no idea. You have no idea. So if this is me and I'm the Browns and I'm Kevin Stefanski, I bring Odell Beckham back because right now you're not going to get market value for the guy. It's a fifth rounder at best. And nobody's going to go out for 17 million bucks. I think he's got a year, maybe two left on that thing. I'm not, I, I forget what the length is. You, and you're, and you, Hey, and if he contributes, that could be the one player to push him over the hump against the chiefs. Right? So I bring his ass back, especially if Jarvis Landry saying good things about him. I do. The player is a good player. How about this? The player's got great ability, but does he have championship tenacity? Is it about 14 targets or is it about going out and being part of 14 points as a unit? And that may mean this. You don't get any targets. And I don't want to hear you complaining or crying about it. I want to hear you and see you maybe blocking in the run game because the run game in Cleveland is what's going to be essential in moving the yardsticks for the Browns this year. Browns got a good chance, man. That could be a 12-win football team. All right. So there's been a lot of news in the media about this 12-team playoff that college football is going to propose. And what I'm liking on what I'm hearing, I'm hearing from other conference commissioners, like from Conference USA, the Mountain West. And I'm hearing from those guys that this new proposal that is being put out there, we had Bill Hancock on with us last Friday, the executive director 
of the college football playoff. And I'm guessing at around the 20th or so, they're going to be putting this thing to a vote. And like I said, I really like not what I'm hearing from the Southeastern Conference or from the Pac-12 or the Big Ten commissioners. What I'm liking is we're now hearing it from the conference commissioners, like from Conference USA and from like the Mountain West, as I said. Well, one guy I know that has been calling college games pretty much since I played, and we really love bringing him in here with us. He is our friend Tim Brando, Fox Sports' own right now. How you doing, Tim? I'm wonderful, Dan. Good to be with you. Dude, so what's this up, Paul Feinbaum and you? Got something going back and forth? You're ping-ponging? You've been banned from a show? What's going on here? No, I saw no, that. I was just uh, I was baiting his producers a little bit. <laughs> you know, we uh, I talk to Paul all the time. We're good friends. I think probably uh, his his suits over there probably uh, are, are like we can we can only have a so much of Timmy B. You, you, let's let all of our guys weigh in first. You know the the uh, I think everybody knows that I've been pounding the drum on on this more than anybody for longer than anybody, going all the way back to the time that I was actually hosting the original College Game Day at ESPN, and I, and I think probably they would just to soon forget that that's the case. But I think you and I and a bunch of other people know that that, that is the truth. And uh, I think I heard him say to Mike Oresco earlier today, uh, something along the lines of, I know no one's more ecstatic than you. No, no, there is someone more ecstatic than Mike, and that's me. Uh, college football has been living in yesteryear uh, for a long, long time. As much as I love it, and I know you love it, uh, I've been pounding the pavement for years about the injustices of, uh, of the postseason of college football. And what needed to be done is finally what's going to be done. And uh, I'm thrilled over it. But no, Paul and I are fine. I have been banned before. Uh, so I, that, the banning thing is a little inside baseball between me and I. Well, let's just continue this then here because I'm with you. And we, we, you know, we, we had Bill Hancock on the show last Friday. And Bill said, I guess in a couple of weeks, they're going to put this to a vote here. We all know this is coming. You know, you know, Tim, I didn't know how to take it until I started hearing conference commissioners from Conference USA and the Mountain West saying, yeah. this plan's almost flawless, and it's not the Power Five guys barking. How do you see this uh, going forward here and what's being proposed? Well, look, I think we, we have to give the conference commissioners a lot of credit here. I mean, we really do. And I'm not sure, Dan, uh, as much as I respect uh, Jim Delaney, and I certainly respected. Uh, Mike Slive, when he was alive in the commissioner of the SEC, two of the really uh, strong visionaries of uh, intercollegiate athletics and college football in particular. But I'm not sure this would have ever happened without new leadership. OK, uh, if you look around, uh, Kevin Warren's in his second year. Uh, Klyovkov out the Pac-12 is just starting. Uh, you have Greg Sankey, who had taken over and is really the dean now with Swafford gone. Uh, along with Bowlesby. Bowlesby, I guess, would be the senior member, but Sankey is certainly the most powerful of voices on the Power Five side of things. Uh, if they don't sign on off uh, this, and, and Jack Swarbert, the Notre Dame AD, uh, I think his voice is huge here. And for Notre Dame to be okay with not being any higher than five, okay, um, was huge. Now, they get to play an extra home game. If they happen to go undefeated, they can play in that five versus 12 game, which is the, I mean, it's the equivalent of a conference championship for them that they don't get to play. 
So for him to sign off on the six top conference champions getting bids, okay, I meant Notre Dame was not going to be a part of that, no matter how good their season was. But um, I think we have to credit them. This was not driven by television. Trust me when I tell you. People, yeah. think, people thinking that uh, the suits were behind this and, and executives and television, I think they knew it was coming. I, I doubt that they haven't been in to some extent on the conversation. They're not going to say that they've been aware of what's going on publicly, uh, whether they're at ESPN or at the place I work for. I don't think anybody in television, you're, you're, you got better chance of getting a, a word out of the old Kremlin than you would out of a television executive <laughs> these days. But, but, uh, but I guarantee you that this is being driven by the conferences because they need the revenue. Uh, the pandemic season cost everyone, everyone hemorrhaged money. All right. And if we hadn't had a season, I think a lot of the FBS schools that were not out in the power five might've been out of the football business altogether, but hundreds of millions of dollars were lost last year, which only sped up this clock that was already moving towards a playoff expansion uh, in the next television contract. And for them to come out and say, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to put this in front of the presidents and the presidents are going to sign off on it. They wouldn't have announced it if they didn't know that already. Um, that means they're telling television, hey, guys, it's in your court now. OK, here's the deal. Uh, ESPN has the exclusive negotiating period. They have some time to make a determination if they're going to pony up what, what, what it will take. And it will take a lot to go from four to 12. That's a lot of inventory. It's a lot of revenue, uh, and they're on the hook for a lot more. I mean, let's not forget, they just got the CBS 330 window that they're paying $300 million a, a year for that doesn't start until 25. And, uh, you know, rumors on the streets are that they're going to buy out CBS's remaining three years. Well, if they're going to do that, my old boss, uh, Sean McManus, I guarantee you, is not going to, he's going to want market value for that. So if they're going to do that, they're going to have to pony up $300 million more for, you know, at least the last two years of that television deal. So, you know, whether whether it's all ESPN and right now you would think that it, it, they're, they're in the position that that could happen or uh, if it's a shared deal where two television network entities get involved, uh, either way, I think it's great for the game. Uh, uh, you know, we, we already, to some extent in college football, share rights with conferences. You know, we've got the primary Big Ten package on Fox. ESPN has the secondary uh, contract. The um, uh, Pac-12 and Big 12 is a split deal, okay? So we have to cooperate with one another already uh, with a lottery of games to select from week to week. Um, I think it would be great for, for college football. This is, again, full disclosure. I work for Fox. So, you know, yeah, it would be great for my company to get involved in this, but I I don't know that it will or that it could uh, because ESPN controls this right now. But either way, whether ESPN gets the whole thing or it now becomes a shared property uh, between two companies that are in the television business, I think that would be great for the game. I think college football needs to look at the NFL blueprint for success. I mean, the NFL, through all the generations of our lifetime, uh, I, I was born in 56. Television became a big deal in the 60s, and the merger was in 69, 70. Uh, Pete Rozelle was a visionary, and by get look at how, 
any network that doesn't have the NFL is going to lose their rear ends. So they have to have it. Uh, college football could have done this a long time ago. And uh, I think the potential for that is there, albeit uh, we'll have to wait and see. You know, I, I don't think, Tim, that you can or anybody can expect a college football kid now to potentially play 17 ball games for nothing. I mean, I think now you're talking about, like you said, you might be farming out the same way these television rights and going out and ESPN gets a piece of it down the road, Fox and CBS. You're talking about, you know, shopping the rights to this and maybe a $70 billion business. I don't know how you sit there and tell a kid, well, you're going to play 17 ball games now. Oh, and your education's free. But, and I would throw this at you too, Tim. Yeah. If I'm a first round draft prospect, hey, you keep your 12 team playoff, dog. I've got a $20 million guaranteed contract coming my way. <laughs> well, and guess what? Playing in the Fruit Loop Bowl, that doesn't really entice me. <laughs> well, NIL coming about also moved this thing forward. Yeah. Okay. Uh, name, image, and likeness is real. The NCAA screwed it up. Uh, Mark Emmert kicked the, the can down the, the, the road for so long that finally the states got involved. And now, you know, he was hoping Congress, I mean, think about it. You're actually hoping for Congress. That's your out pitch. That Bad was move. Mark Emmert was counting on was Congress in this day and time. But but the NIL is moving this along. Let me say this to you, though, as it relates to uh, how many more games are going to be played. And a lot of the cynics out there have been talking about, oh, my God, if you look at this closely, okay, uh, teams one through four are really only the teams that get into the top four are really going to have to play instead of 15 games to win it all. You know, only one team will have to play two games. The rest will play one. So we're looking at 16. Okay. If you're five versus eight, okay, you're looking at having to win two more. You got 17. All right. If you're nine through 12, man, you're throwing a party like you won the national title just because you got in. All right. Uh, And Every player I've ever talked to that's sitting in uh, a program today understands that until such time as there's a new league, a developmental league that becomes a real factor, I don't know. Maybe it is the USFL in two or three years. You know, maybe that, that's a new announcement that came about through, through Fox just about 10 days ago, uh, that there's a viable alternative to, to college football. Right now, today's player understands more than anything that his brand is going to be connected to who he's playing for collegiately. And because all these games matter, Dan, okay, the postseason will matter now for 12 teams, not just four. And the regular season's ending will matter to probably, gosh, 15 to 20 more teams than in the past. Hmm. Because if you're number 20 in late November – you're thinking, we got a shot. we got so-and-so and so-and-so on our schedule. We've got our conference championship. We could get there. What I'm saying to you is today's player understands the marketing end of his own brand, even more so than probably a, a half these suits that have finally gotten off their carcasses and done something about repairing the postseason. Yeah, there'll be some. Okay, there might be two or three isolated players that could say, you know what, I'm not going to do that. Just, you're right, I'm not going to do it. But on whole, I think college football players are, hey, we want to play. Give me the bigger stage. Because I know if I have a great game, 
I'm going to shoot up. I'm going to shoot up on everybody's draft list. And uh, in the past, I mean, well, did you see that god awful Cotton Bowl last year? Yeah. When Trask had no one to throw it to, I mean, they yeah. were all gone. Yeah. We will eliminate that. We're going to eliminate that with this. I'm not saying there won't be a few isolated guys that go out, but I, I for one, am not. This legislation that Bernie Sanders came up with in Congress, like, what a joke, an absolute <laughs> joke. Name, image, and likeness can really be utilized in a heavy-duty way. I, fans, I don't think, have thought about this, but Cameo, by example. Hell, I'm on Cameo. It's easy money. Somebody calls and says, hey, can you do a Keith Jackson impression and wish my Uncle Farley a happy birthday? Hell yeah, I'll do it. And they send me $49.99 for 30 seconds of my time. So, I mean, Dan, that's the world we're living in today. And I think that it's it's going to be those areas where all players, all athletes, and, and significant communities that love their college sports will be able to do well. Think about women's basketball, by the way. If you're in Stores, Connecticut, okay, you know what they could make up there with name, image, and likeness with women. I mean, it's amazing what they. How about do. Oregon, Tim? If you're a member of the Oregon Ducks, okay, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're working for Nike. Yeah, and you you can and and you can every little town. Uh, and Eugene is a beautiful little college town. If you've ever spent any time there, I mean, that's my favorite stop on the Pac-12 circuit is Alston Stadium. I, I mean, that is as close to an SEC environment as you're going to find in the Pac-12. Now, it's not as big of a stadium, but, man, it's loud, and they're right on top of you, and they have a brand. They are the brand right now of the Pac-12 in football. No doubt about it. Hey, Timmy, I love catching up with you, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming aboard. I can't wait to see the fans in the stands again yeah. this coming fall, huh? Yeah, and uh... – uh, I don't know about everybody else, Dan, but this announcer will be in a booth at a game. Okay, I'm not going <laughs> to be in a basement. I'm not going to be in my attic. I've, uh, I think, because I live in a flyover state, they think I can't handle the the remote equipment that it takes, which is fine because I want to be at the game. Right. So I'm looking forward to it. it. Time has really flown by. I can't believe this is going to be my eighth year at uh, at Fox this fall, and. A lot of people down here think I retired when I left the SEC on CBS. So I'm still doing it, and I can't wait for it to get started. Me too, man. Timmy, thank you so much. Our friendship goes back a long time. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. We'll catch up again. You got it. Congratulations on this uh, new platform you're on. Thank you so much. Tim Brando, Fox Sports, one of the legendary guys. And I so love listening to him. And he is such an absolutely – like plugged in guy when it comes to all the college stuff. And you know what, too? What I love about Brando, Brando has kind of like seen the evolution of college football. You know, instead of it just being, you know, regionalized, now it's become this gigantic business. And you're looking at how this business has evolved into being like a billion dollar business and a pandemic and everything. Like you said, the nil uh, legislation that's on the Hill. We talked a little bit about that last week. No question will change the landscape of college football coming up. All right. You know, I've been, I've been, I've been really, really lucky the last couple of years, you know, where, you know, a guy like Tim Brando, I've got a chance to be friends with, and some of the greatest broadcasters like in the history of sports have 
really been friends of mine. And I, I, I so revere those guys because, you know, what I do now and what I do on my radio show, I stand on those guys' shoulders. And I'm so lucky in the fact that, you know, I get a chance to learn from these guys because, you know, the great thing about a play-by-play guy or a guy who's been so plugged in, they, they paint you a portrait. I think it's such a lost art, especially when it comes to the television people. Because nowadays, you know what? Look, broadcasters today, they all want to be part of the broadcast. They all want to interject themselves. You know, it's all about imaging, branding, and I get all that. But the truly great ones, and these are the ones that really like last with fans. You know, these are the ones that that fans look to when it comes to hearing their favorite sports team when they're in their car or they're listening to them on the radio. And when you get a guy that's able to like paint that portrait for you and not make themselves like I, I say this all the time. You know, the people that really make like sports great are people like Vince Scully. Okay, Vince Scully, do you know he didn't have another guy there in the room? And Vin just would tell you, you know, hey, I remember back at Crosby Field and Sandy Koufax. Oh, by the way, Clayton Kershaw, two balls and two strikes. I was outside. Just giving you the history and all of that. Well, we're going to be talking to one of those type of guys and our friend Merrill Reese. Merrill loves the Eagles. Eagle fans love Merrill Reese. Merrill sees the game. He puts the game out in front for his fans. And those are some of the best. I mean, the people that you listen to each and every single day give your favorite football team or your favorite baseball team. Like when I was a kid growing up, man, listening to like Kirk Gowdy give me the Red Sox. And look, I'm not even a Red Sox fan. I was a Yankee fan growing up and having an opportunity to like listen to him call AFC games back in the day when he was calling the old AFC football games for NBC or calling like the Orange Bowl or calling a Super Bowl. And you just sat there and listened to these guys. That's something that we just don't really have today, you know, in broadcasting. You know, we, we just really don't have that scenario where we really have those type of guys any longer because nowadays broadcasting is more about, okay, and, uh, and, and you know, it's, it's really, without a doubt, one of the absolutely great things, okay, that when you can get a broadcaster to do your games, your favorite games, that you get a chance. This Eagles team this year has got a lot of question marks wrapped around it, okay? And without a doubt here, you're looking at the scenario where this team, is it in a rebuild or is it in a rebuild? Going forward this year, one of the biggest decisions obviously was at the quarterback decision and what they were going to do at that position. Are they going to were they going to go out and maybe potentially go into the draft? Were they going to go out and potentially go into a position where they were going to like maybe go into free agency? No question about it. They were looking at like again that position on what to do. And we had Frank Reich on with us a couple weeks ago. And Frank was talking about, listen, we were going after Carson Wentz right away, which led me to believe that the Eagles had already kind of decided that they were looking at this position here, whether or not they were going to, again, they were going to move off the kid or whether they were not going to move off the kid. I think that decision was made 
pretty early in the offseason in what they were going to do. Okay, so we're here waiting for our friend Merrill Reese. We're hopefully going to catch up with him here in a second. We'll get his thoughts on whether or not, again, this Eagle team, especially in the NFC East, okay, especially in the East here, whether or not we're going to sit here and see this football team be competitive this year. I think they have some um, – I think they have some components there, especially in the NFC East where it's not going to be as competitive. Okay. I think the Eagles can be right there because I said this before. I really don't believe that the Dallas Cowboys got better with Dak Prescott because again, the number one issue with the Cowboys on that other side of the football is their defense and whether or not they're going to be able to stop somebody. That was the number one thing that the Cowboys had to address. Let's not forget also, the team that ended up winning the NFC East last year, it was the Washington team. They were ready, okay? So they were ready to rock and roll and win that division. All right, let's get with our friend now, the voice of the Philadelphia Eagles and our friend Merrill Reese. We bring him in here now on the National Football Show. How you doing, Merrill? Good, Dan. How are you? Hanging in there. Merrill, I will say this to you. Um, I had a great phone call today from Bob Lang of the Philadelphia Eagles, and he told me this. He goes, listen, Dan, I want to tell you something here. Um, Nick, Sirianni, Nick Sirianni wanted me to let you know that he's going to come on the show. He's um, wanting to do your show, and he's been watching it a little bit here and uh, really loves what you're doing. And I, I, I told Bob, I go, Bob, that's pretty cool. He goes, yeah, we're going to do some of the local stuff there. It, it seems that there's like a reboot going on in Philadelphia now that there's a new, I don't want to say a new mentality, but there's like a new feeling, like a, like a start over kind of mentality. Now, do you agree? Well, I, I, I guess to a degree, uh, because I don't want to infer in any way, shape or form that Doug Peterson was in any way reluctant to do things. Uh, Doug was a very affable, outgoing guy, and I thought that Doug gave the media as much access as he was permitted to do. So I think uh, the the Eagles moved on from a terrific guy, and the experience I have had with Nick Sirianni has been nothing but positive. Uh, he's got great energy. He's got a spark. He's got a love for the game, and I'm excited to see how this all plays out. Do you, Merrill, would you say this is a reboot or a reload in Philadelphia in 2021? Explain the difference. See, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure because when, when, when you ask the question to any of the Eagle people or people covering the team, they think it's more of a reload because they think they still have some of the components on that football team. And in the division that they have in the NFC East, it's not one of your world beaters now, that they still think that they can compete. Usually teams that are rebuilding are not going to contend for a division title. People still think in Philadelphia that they could contend for an NFC East. I mean, that's why I threw that kind of out there. Is it, is it a reboot here or kind of like a rebuild here? I think it's a, a let's see. It's huh. not, it's not destroy the team. It's not get rid of every big salary player. It's not get rid of Fletcher Cox. It's not get rid of Lane Johnson and, Brandon Brooks and start all over again because just because they're old and expensive. I think it's this season, let's see what we have. And I think that, and you alluded to this, we're talking to the division that last year I called the NFC least. And they were. 
and and I don't know that I can uh, be uh, demeaning of the other three teams, but I think it would be fair to say that Washington, Dallas, and the Giants all have major question marks. None of them are teams that you look at and say, you know what, one of these three could end up in the Super Bowl. One of those three, including the one of the four, if you had the Eagles, will end up in the playoffs. Don't forget, uh, the Eagles went into the last game of the season last year, and, and the Giants and Washington were still, at that point, alive for the playoffs. And had the Eagles beaten Washington, the Giants would have gone to the playoffs. So, you know, I've heard guys look at this football team and say, you know what, they won four games last year. They are lucky to win five this year. And then I've heard people go wild on the other side and say, you know, this could be a 10-win team. I'm going to be honest with you. Dan, I am not one of these people, when the schedule comes out, who can't wait to sit down with a pen and and, and chart and say W, W, L, W, L, 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 W. Because I believe, and I'm sure as a football guy, you know, what counts is the health of that team when you're playing them. I mean, if they're playing Dak, the, the Cowboys, late in the season, and Dak Prescott and their left tackle are out, it's an entirely different story. Uh, we don't know for sure about Jalen Hurts. I like Jalen Hurts. Everything I've seen of Jalen Hurts has been very positive. He went through the four starts last year really without the benefit of any preseason games, without the benefit of any first-team reps until the very end. Uh, I like his arm. I like his intelligence. I like his physicality, his movement. But again, you're talking about an inexperienced quarterback. You're talking about an offensive line, Dan, that has Lane Johnson back from an ankle injury. He says he's fine. Brandon Brooks, back from an Achilles tear. He says he's fine. Jason Kelsey, who is now well into his 30s, I think he's 32, uh, can he hold up and continue to contribute? Isaac Ciamalo, who's a decent left guard. And then you're talking about Jordan Mailata, a left tackle, who may be one step away from becoming a pro bowl caliber player, or on the other hand, a guy who's going to be challenged for that job by Andre Dillard, who hasn't shown a lot yet. So there are so many, and then there's a defense, a lot of questions about a defense. I can't sit here right now and tell you what the scheme is going to be. I'm not 100% sure if they're going to be 4-3. I think they are, or 3-4. Jonathan Gannon is a new defensive coordinator. There are some new players, but again, a lot of unknowns. You know, Merrill, let me let me let me throw this at you here on Jalen Hurts too. You know, I'll tell you what I love about him. Here's a guy that was a phenomenal teammate when he was out Alabama, and you know, playing for a coach like that, okay, you know, it, it teaches you a lot: patience, perseverance, hanging in there. You've got to produce for that kind of guy. You know, he's taken out. They put another player in there. He's got to learn to be a great teammate. He's kind of gone through the entire emotions. Then what does he do? He goes to a completely different offense. Lincoln Riley brings him in. All of a sudden, the players on that Oklahoma team gravitate to him. And what I love about that is that means that that guy's got presence. Every time that guy like that walks into a locker room or walks into a huddle, he's going to command the huddle. 
because he's gone through all these storylines that has taught him to be in the position that he's in right now. Again, like you said, Merrill, I don't know if the kid's got ability to be able to go out there and be a top 10 guy, but you can win in this league with a top 15 quarterback, a top 20 quarterback and go on and win a Super Bowl. If Brad Johnson and some of these other guys can go out and win a Super Bowl, Jalen Hurts can too. But there's something about him with a presence. Do you get that feeling being around him that I, I he's do. got that kind of presence? I do. And, and you know what? He has a quarterback coach, a good one, Brian Johnson, who was the O coordinator at the University of Miami. And Brian Johnson has known Jalen Hurts since Jalen was four years old. He played for Brian's father, uh, for, uh, for Jalen's father back in his high school days. So uh, there's a real connection there. There's a real affinity there. And I... I'm really, I can't tell you top 15, top 10, top five. I know that Dak Prescott came into this league years ago, and, and he was not the quarterback that the Cowboys even wanted, uh, believe it or not. But they picked him because he was there at that point. And Dak Prescott has really done well for Dallas. And I think there are a lot of similarities stylistically between what I have seen of Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott. Devontae Smith, um, tell me what you're hearing about him. And, you know, the notion coming out of Alabama. And first off, before I go there, Merrill, you know what I loved about this draft? It was a familiarity draft. Look at what they did in Cincinnati. They got Joe Burrow, an LSU wide receiver. Guy played with him at LSU. He knew who he was. Okay, down in Miami, Tua knew Waddle. They went out and they got Waddle. You know, you're sitting here and you bring in a guy like Devontae Smith. Smith knows Jalen Hurts. These guys all kind of know one another. And to me, that leads me to believe that the Eagles are going to give him every opportunity to win this job. Do you agree? Absolutely. And I, I'm going to be honest with you, watching college football over the last couple of years, I would watch Devontae Smith and say, wow, that I would love to see the Eagles get this guy someday, but they're never going to be in position to get him. So get it out of your mind. Devontae Smith is a pipe dream. And let me tell you something. I jumped out of the chair when they made the move that put them into position to get Devontae Smith. I would have taken him at six in a minute. That's how much I like Devontae Smith. And um, he's, he's a tremendous receiver. He's a high-character guy. And then I went out to their mini camp last week, and I watched him. And people talk about his size. Danny's 6'1", but his arms can touched the seats on both sides of the stadium. I mean, he has the catch radius of somebody 6'4". He leaps as if there are springs in his the bottom of his feet, and he drops nothing. Anything that touches either hand sticks. I mean, he made one-handed grabs that would – and it's only a minicamp that had me going, wow, I'm going to go so far as to tell you, this is my 45th year of covering the team. And of, of being the play-by-play -play voice of the Eagles. And for five years before that, I was going to training camp as the pre- and post-game show guy. So that's, that's a half century. I have never been as impressed by a rookie wide receiver as I have been with Devontae Smith. And that includes my partner in the booth, who became a six-time All-Pro, Mike Quick, who I loved as soon as I saw him, but he never had the speed of Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith makes me go, wow. 
that's incredible to hear that too. And that makes me now a fan of him, Marilyn. And one of maybe the things that I, I looked at when I said, boy, I don't know. You know, I played in an era back in Jerome's era where you could mug the guy at the line of scrimmage. You can wrestle him down. You know, you could chuck him all down the field. Probably one of the things that really gives him the ability to be able to play maybe in the slot or not to be mugged on the line of scrimmage is because these wide receivers, it's a different game today, isn't it, Merrill, that you don't see these guys mugged like you did back in the day. And you can't be as physical with these guys at the line of scrimmage any longer. So maybe that's why, again, he's a modern-day wide receiver and fits into today's game better than what people think. Well, not only that, Dan, but nobody gets a shot at him. He is He's quick as well as fast. He slithers. I watched him at Alabama. You can catch him, you can catch him downfield with a six-yard pass, and he takes it the distance, and nobody – I mean, he just runs away from everybody with blinding speed. He's got, and he didn't get hurt at Alabama. He didn't get hurt. He played, he was a healthy guy. He played every game. So, and, and you're talking about college football at the very, very highest level. So I, and then uh, there's another wide receiver who came in last year and got hurt, but don't, uh, don't push him out of the picture quite yet. Cause you talked about the slot. They may be able to put Jalen Rager in the slot at times, and he could turn out to be pretty good. I mean, he, I, I saw a lot of good things that he did in the limited time he spent on the field. But I think Rager is going to be a real contributor this year. A couple last questions for you here, Merrill. The tight end position, where direction are the Eagles going in now at the tight end position? It'll be Dallas Goddard. And they re-signed Richard Rodgers, who can be a, a solid second tight end. Uh, Zach Ertz hasn't been around. The word today is, is they're very close to a deal. And I don't have any inside information to substantiate this, but the word is that they're close to a deal with Buffalo for Zach Ertz. But I, I believe you have as much chance of being on this roster as Zach Ertz uh, in a few weeks. <laughs> All right, real quick here. How great is it? You know, you say you've been there almost 50 years now talking Eagles football. Uh, this pandemic, Merrill, has been just absolutely something that I've never – I never thought that we'd ever see in our entire life. I don't think anybody ever did. How great is it going to be to see the fans back at the link again uh, and Eagle fans back tailgating again, rooting for their favorite team, and you seeing the fans there too, rooting on their favorite team. I mean, Eagle fans not at a football game, it's sacrilegious. Yeah, Dan, I've never taken it for granted. Every, every Sunday I pull into the parking lot and make the walk across the street and the fans are there in, in full gear and regalia and barbecue pits and stoves and trailers and everything else. And I, I have never taken it for granted. It's the it's the greatest feeling that you can ever have. And and last year there was a tremendous void in all of our lives. So to have that return is absolutely terrific. I can't wait. Merrill. You always find time for me, my friend, and I thank you so much. And by the way, I'm so happy that uh, my relationship with the Philadelphia Eagles is really great. Getting a call today from them saying that they want to be on the program as well and having you always on the program now. Thank you so much for being part of it. It really means a lot to me. Thank you, Dan. And you're going to enjoy speaking with Nick Sirianni because he's a, you know, I, I'll just tell you a quick story. I, uh, and you'll appreciate this. They told me that I would have an hour to speak with Nick on a one-on-one -on -one Zoom uh, because there's nobody going into the Novacare 
uh, facility right now. And I, I quickly wrote down Jalen Hurts, offensive st- style, uh, tight end situation. Uh, and I, I wrote about six or seven things that I wanted to talk to Nick Sirianni about. So we clicked the Zoom and he comes on and he says, hey, Merle, great meeting you. <laughs> and we went on and we started talking. And an hour later, we were still telling stories and into the, well, I know him. Oh, well, I know him. And we were we were back and forth laughing and telling stories. And I never got to one football topic. <laughs> that's That's the kind of engaging person you're going to be on with. I can't wait to see, to hear that and see that. That is going to be fantastic. Merrill, thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. As always, it's been fun. You got it. Merrill Reese, the legendary voice of the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll take a brief time out. You keep it right here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. 
Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy Dan Cilio. Hope everything's going well for you today. That was awesome. And listening to Maurice. Wow, 50 years, man, he's been involved with the Eagles broadcast. Think of the things that he's seen, the players that he has witnessed. Man, I mean, especially in a city like that, where the fan base just expects greatness. You know, I, I, I've always said this to people. I love fans that expect the most. You should. If I'm paying 350 bucks for a ticket and you're giving me a 6-10 and 10 record every year, dude, I'm going to be pissed off too. You're expecting me as a fan to pay PSLs I got to give you $7,500 just to stand in line to potentially get a ticket and it's non-refundable. You're damn right. I'm going to be pissed if you're six and 10. Well, let's just hope we're eight. I don't want eight and eight. I'm not paying. I'll tell you what, you let me know when you're 12 and four and I'll buy season tickets. You know, that old notion, if you build it, they will come. Give me a break. Nobody has disposable income like that anymore. Nobody does. I'm not going to sit there and spend, get this, this is what it costs to go to an NFL game on weekends. You ready? You're spending $300, say you're spending $300 a ticket and you got a family of four. Okay? You're almost two grand right there, right? Taxes, two grand? Parking's a hundred bucks. There's 2100 The concessions at these things, okay? What are you talking about? Another 150 bucks? You know, a little, you know, you know, little Jimmy and little, uh, Louie, these guys want to get like programs and hats and stuff. Talking about another 200 bucks. Man, you're talking about $2,500 for a weekend. Really? You think that's cheap going to an NFL game? That's like 2,500 bucks. Six and 10? No, no. That ain't working. Tell you what, I'll sit at home and I'll watch you on the tube until you get better and then I'll spend my money. I'm not spending my money on crap. I want to go and I want to watch a football team win ball games and contend and compete. You're charging me those kind of prices for a ticket? You better win. Then you get some markets. Oh, well, you know, we're getting better and I hope we win. And you're like this. Hey, Snowflake, really? You got that kind of money? God bless you. Because that's not something I'm rooting for. Hell no, man. You know, you hear that, fan? Like somebody with the Rams. You know, if you if you go to a Rams game, you gotta spend four hundred bucks on a ticket. Four hundred bucks on that new uh SoFi Stadium. Give me a break, man. Give me a break. All right. I've compiled a list of the five teams in both college and pro that after all the mini camps. OTAs, and we're getting ready to go into the July camps today. On June 14th, I'm going to tell you my top five rosters, okay? Like Merrill, what he just said, I'm not going to give you any wins and losses, but I'm going to say today, these are the five deepest, best teams, both college and pro. Merrill's exactly right. Those dorks that do this, well, it's 12 and 4. 
Dude, you, dude, you don't know what you're talking about. Anytime you hear somebody that's on the radio or doing what I'm doing right now, give you a one loss record. He's an idiot. He has no idea. You don't know what injuries are going to play a factor. You have no idea. And how many times does the war of attrition completely play a factor in a team's success or failure? How about the year that the Eagles won the Super Bowl? Were they pretty healthy that year in the O and D lines? What it's been like since then? Okay. Do you know that the year that the uh, Rams went to the Super Bowl, I think that was 17. Okay. That they didn't have one guy in that offensive line go down. That all plays a factor. Okay. Who was the healthiest team last year in the NFC East? Probably was Washington. Probably was Washington. They just were chaotic at the quarterback position. Dumbass Dwayne Haskins and comeback kid and Alex Smith, that wasn't going to cut it. That wasn't going to cut it, and yet they still won the division. Shows you how weak the division was. But it was deep in the line and in the defense. You know, they did all their drafting on that side of the football. I'm going to start out with the Rams. You know, the one thing that the Rams have done the Rams have built the roster up, and ever since they got rid of the dead weight and Todd Gurley, that football team looks like it did a couple of years ago, and it's going to get better. They made the deal for Matthew Stafford. They've got Jalen Hurts on the other side, or excuse me, Jalen Ramsey on the other side of the football, lockdown corner, and they got Aaron Donald, who's the best maybe player in the league. Okay? I mean, they've got a lot of components on that football team, and they're getting more out of the running game, and that's exactly what Matthew Stafford – I personally think that the Rams are deep. Now, look, they gave a boatload up for Jalen Ramsey, did they not? They gave all those first-rounders up to, you know, the Jets and such. But do I mean, to the uh, Jaguars. But, man, they have got a lot of deadness on that team. And Les Snead and Kevin Demoff, the front office guys, have done a wonderful job at building that roster up. I'll tell you something about that Rams team, too, which is really good to see. That Rams culture and that Rams front office has changed since Jeff Fisher. It really has. There's more, there's more direction under Sean McVay than there ever was under Jeff Fisher. And you can see it. You I mean there, there's a plan. And I, I, I and I happen to agree with Sean. Sean was talking about, I guess people were taking shots at him over the weekend because, you know, they were saying because he's really falling in love with what he's seeing here with Matthew Stafford, that people just like interpreted it, and there we go again interpreted the fact that they were, um, uh, you know, throwing shade at Jared Goff. That wasn't the truth, and that's not the case. And what you're trying to do is build the confidence up here of your quarterback. And that's exactly what he's doing there. So I love the coach. I love the front office. I love the roster, the quarterback. I think the Rams, man, they got 10 primetime games this year too. This is going to be a pretty good-looking football team to watch this year. It's going to be pretty interesting to watch. I got the Bills sitting at four. I think you guys, if you've been watching the show at all, uh, now get an understanding that I'm a real big Bills fan and I'm a Sean McDermott fan. I just think that what they have in Josh Allen and the way that they're ascending and the job that they're doing and drafting and the job that they're doing in free agency. And if you heard uh, Merrill Reese there, 
it looks like the Buffalo Bills and the Eagles are – we're going to tweet this out as well. There's a chance that there's a deal on the table for Zach Ertz, and he'll be in Buffalo. So you're going to put Zach Ertz in that offense with Stephon Diggs and that quarterback. Man, that's going to be something to watch because Ertz and Allen, that could be something to keep an eyeball on. Friends, that's going to be awesome to watch. I'm going to put the Packers with an asterisk here at number three. I'd put them at number two, but just there's too much chaos. And I don't like chaos. They have a ready-made roster right now to win. They really do. They have a ready-made roster to win. And the quarterback right now is kind of like – He's kind of like the guy that could be the one person in the locker. Get this. I never thought I'd say this about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers could be the reason they win. And Aaron Rodgers most likely could be the reason that they lose if his attitude doesn't get adjusted. Look at what's going on in Seattle with what we're watching with, um, you know, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is doing everything that he possibly can to mend fences right now. Everything he can to mend fences and he's doing it. Okay. So he needs to do the same thing here. This guy needs to write the ship. So I got the Packers at three, but that's an asterisk there. I got the chiefs at two. I think Orlando Brown coming in. I think Andy Reed don't listen to what Le'Veon Bell said. Hey, Le'Veon Bell may have a right and a bitch to the coach, but make no mistake about it here, man. The chiefs, when you got a guy like Patrick Mahomes, uh, in your huddle, there's no doubt that you got the best quarterback in the league, and he is the best quarterback in the league, okay? I see great things, but how about this? There's going to be quite a challenge um, in the AFC. You know, there's teams I haven't even mentioned, like the Chargers. I think the Chargers are going to have a lot of talented people that are going to be able to win some ball games here. And, of course, I got the Buccaneers sitting at number one. When you got the GOAT, you got the head football coach, you got everything going in the right direction, the only thing that could derail the Buccaneers right now could be the war of attrition. The same thing here, exactly what um, uh, Merrill Reese said just a couple minutes ago. All right, we'll take a brief time out. You keep it right here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say... But as I always say... It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest... Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. 
catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back to the National Football Show with Dan Celio. You know, the NFL is a lot harder to break down when you're talking top five teams. Or, you know, and as I say, top five rosters, especially going into the July camps. Because the teams that are the deepest will be the teams that will be standing in January. And have a great signal caller. It's pretty easy when you're looking at building these rosters. But however... When it comes to building these rosters, look at the Cowboys' issues. Cowboys have all their money under their football. Their defense is in shambles. They keep telling you over, you know, this offseason here that they've addressed it. We'll see. I don't think so. Okay? And there's, you never bring up the fact that their special teams were the worst in the league last year. That's a very unbalanced football team. And because of the salary cap, if you're not able to really have balance in that salary cap, the salary cap is what really builds balance in your roster. You're able to spend money on special teams. All of these teams that I mentioned, Rams, Bills, Chiefs, Packers, and Bucks, have all done a great job at managing their money. It's like managing a checkbook, friends. You can't manage that checkbook. You can't make that money last, whether it's $5 or $5 million. You can't make that last. You can't spread that out. You're never going to last the full season. And that's why you see many teams limping home as they get towards the end of the season in the final quarter, quarter pull of the season. So talking about an NFL team, you know, it's easy to do this when you're getting ready for September. Oh, man, this team looks like it's the best football team out there. They've got the quarterback. They've got the coach. But then when you really dissect the football team, 
Are you deep? Do you have enough depth to overcome it in your own D lines? You got to have depth there. You know, I've said this before about the Eagles. I keep bringing the Eagles up because I had a great conversation today with, you know, the organization, but I bring them up. Man, a couple of years ago, they had the best dual tandems when it came to O-line and D-line in the NFL, and that's what won for them. They had the best units. And when you have the best units like that, as a group, you see, you can't have the best O-line and a sorry-ass D-line like the Cowboys did last year. Cowboys had a good line, then it got hurt. Then it became a poor line. And then before you know it, you get two poor lines and you're getting murdered. And your quarterback gets injured. It was just a chaotic year last year for the Cowboys. And it all started with the cap and being able to build your team in depth. That's why when people look at guys, that's why you don't think the Eagles want to keep Zach Ertz. Of course they do. But they need to start spreading some of that money out like in two years from now, down the line, for them to be able to see, look, the cap's going to continue to go up. But the only way that you maintain success and build success is if you're doing what? You're managing your dough. That's the top thing here. So like I said, college football, we see the same cast of characters. That's why here in a minute I'll give you, it's the same dudes. It's not going to be anything different. Because there's a different formula for building a college roster than it is an NFL roster. It's a lot of, and the NFL, it's got all to do with money. This has got everything to do with cash. When it comes to drafting correctly, you got to get lucky there. Okay. And you've got to be able to manage your money. College football. Okay. You're talking Bama, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, Oklahoma. Same five guys. You know, to sit here and break these guys down, I'm not going to do that because I'm not going to bore you. But there's one familiar thing that they all have in common. What is that? Like, watch this. You could probably take any one of the coaches, whether it be Lincoln Riley, whether it it, it be Dabo Sweeney or Ryan Day or um, any of these coaches, and you could probably put them on any one of these teams, and they could probably go out and win a national championship because they're all similar. They all are great recruiters. They all know where to recruit. They all know how to recruit. That's what makes those groups different than everyone else. It's just, look, see, this is about recruiting and no money. The NFL, all about money and managing your cap. That's when you're looking at, again, these two scenarios and the two differences here that, you know, when it comes to college football, that's why you see this. You won't see the same teams in the NFL every year. Schedules, drafting, what have you, injuries. College, you will. Like Alabama's the preseason number one. They lost everybody on the planet on offense. All right. I'll tell you one of the things that I was shocked to hear today was that Merrill Reese said in his 50 years covering the Philadelphia Eagles, he has not seen a more electric guy on the practice field, on the Eagles field, than Devontae Smith. Think of all the legendary football players that that guy has seen in Eagle Green. And he's saying that kid is the best that he has seen 
athletically and talented-wise, to ever put on an Eagles uniform. Now, he's right. We'll see how that translates in this coming fall. But, boy, I'll tell you something. That's high marks from a guy who has great passion for the team, has been, like I said, has been around for 50 years covering that football team. And for him to say that, I'll tell you what, you've now made me a fan because, you know, I was talking to Chris Carter the other day about him, and he goes, Dan, it's a different league than it was back when we played. You know, you could kill those wide receivers at the line of scrimmage. You don't do that today. These guys get a free run off the line of scrimmage and make no mistake about it. This guy's going to be able to create space for himself. Will Jalen Hurts be able to get him the ball? Quite a statement there. We really appreciate it. Krause, as usual, thank you. Cal, thank you very much. Big Joe. Hey, don't forget, listen, four to six each and every single day, Monday through Friday, right here, the National Football Show on the Jacob Media Channel. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Like the show, share the show. Until then, we shall see you on the flip side. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.